Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Are they here? As your advisor, I feel compelled to communicate my hesitation about this meeting. Do you even know these men? We do not. So why even take a meeting with them? They are stargazers. They are Gentiles. These men have valuable information. If we play our cards right, they will help us infinitely more than we can help ourselves. Send them in. Gentlemen, greetings. Welcome. Welcome. My staff tells me you've come a long way. This is true. We've come from the east. Is that right? And I trust your journeys have not been too difficult. They're like most journeys. Some good, some bad, but mostly long. (laughs) So tell me... As a man who doesn't do much journeying myself anymore, what is it that would inspire men such as yourself to undertake such a long trip? Well, as I'm sure you know, word has been spreading about the birth of a Messiah. We witnessed his star, and so we have come to worship him. Is that right? A new Messiah. I must admit, I feel a little silly. This is the first I'm hearing of this. It's said to be in a place called Bethlehem. Do you know where we could find this place? Lucky for you, Bethlehem is only about ten miles away. Ten miles? Ah, That's such a relief. After so many miles, ten seems just around the corner. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) I know you're eager to resume your journey and witness this new Messiah firsthand, but please, before you go, allow me to be a good host and offer you a drink. To the Messiah. To the new king. Would you do me a favor? Of course. Once you have found this new king, would you come back and tell me exactly where he is so that I might have the opportunity to go and worship him myself? Consider it done, King Herod. Safe travels. Isaiah 60, 
verse 1, gives us our Advent reading for this final celebration of Advent. The prophet Isaiah writes, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And so we light this morning the Christ candle, the last candle of the Advent season. It's in Matthew chapter 2 that we learn of these travelers in that last video. Some call them kings, some call them wise men. One of the words used is magi. But what were they really? I find it an interesting story that God would reveal himself and his great love for us by sending Jesus and that he would reveal himself to a group of what we could only call pagans. They certainly weren't Jews. They were astrologers. They were stargazers. And yet he revealed himself to them in a unique and supernatural way. Matthew chapter 2 tells us this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship. These men were not necessarily kings. But perhaps we could look at this as the very first miracle that Jesus would perform in his ministry, before water turns into wine, before he walks on water, he is revealed in the stars. And the pagan astrologers would become the first followers and be the first Gentiles to find him. They were studiers of celestial writings. The stars and their movements told the stories to them. And so they would investigate this marvelous and unique revelation. It is suggested that one of many or perhaps several astronomical events occurred. And so there might be a natural explanation for why that star appeared. It was certainly unusual and significant enough to catch their attention. So significant that they set off on a journey. Perhaps they had known of the ancient writings of the Jews, the prophet Daniel, who spoke of a coming Messiah, a Jewish king. Or perhaps they had read Isaiah's writings. In Isaiah 9, 
the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Could this have been speaking of this star? For the next verse then says, For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom forever. You see, these seekers had a quest, and it was intentional. They knew that Jesus had been born, and that their journey was one of an intentional search. This we know. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't by chance or, or, or happenstance. They set out on an intentional journey, and we know that it was intense. It would have taken them months to prepare, to gather the supplies and the men to travel such a great distance. But no challenge would dissuade them, not even a neurotic Herod who could kill them. It demonstrated a steadfastness of heart and mind. These men were not set out on a whim, but a conviction that what was revealed to them in the heavens was not only unique, but supernatural. And they set off to worship whatever king this was. I believe there are people today, and perhaps even in this room, you're on an intentional and intense quest to discover the truth for something more. And I believe that God himself, by his Holy Spirit in a supernatural way, draws each and every one of us, yes, you who were invited by family and forced to come. God has drawn you here too. But I don't believe it's just by intentions I believe it's by invitation of God himself these men received this invitation in the stars from whom they did not know but it was convincing enough that they would leave everything and follow that star and I believe God operates still in that way today that he would reveal himself to those who did not seek Isaiah 65 says I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that didn't call in my name, I said, here I am, here I am. Perhaps Isaiah was writing of Gentiles that would seek out this new Messiah. They have no idea who this great king is, but they accept the invitation. And what about the seeker's question? Certainly they were saying, what does this star mean? They must have wondered because they did not ignore it. And upon their arrival in Jerusalem, for we know the star led them that far, their first question is, where is the one to be born king of the Jews? I often think, what what was that like upon getting to Jerusalem? Did they ask the gatekeepers? Who were the first people they encountered? Were they inquiring of passerbys? Where is this one to be born king of the Jews? Perhaps they stopped at the local quick mart a local shop owner. But eventually they get to Herod. And it says all of Jerusalem was disturbed with Herod. Why was all of Jerusalem disturbed? Because the Roman king was disturbed and that meant trouble. And these men asked this question, where is this new king? They arrived not on camels, as some imagine, but on white Persian horses with an army. If I'm King Herod, I'm a little worried. That these men come declaring there is a new king. These wise men, they ask 
this question, where is the one to be born king of the Jews? Not if has there been, but certainty, where is this king who we know has been born? I wonder if you and I have asked, stopped asking those questions. Have we stopped becoming seekers of Jesus? Oh yeah, you know, Jesus is at church and and, and that's, that's where I go. Have we stopped seeking him? Or perhaps maybe on this Christmas Eve, you would renew your intentional quest to seek Jesus. I find it odd in the scriptures that the wise men, these pagan wise men, show up to Jerusalem. Herod gets the Jewish wise men, the teachers of the law and the chief priests, and he asks them, hey, they said there's a new king. Where's he to be born? And they say, oh, in Bethlehem of Judea. And yet they don't go with the pagan wise men to seek out this king. Let us never stop seeking out this great king. For he was no ordinary king. What convinced these wise men of this king they sought? It was the star. They had seen this star and they recognized the importance of it. This sign in the sky and sign in the sky of a spectacular birth. And it seems to have led them to Jerusalem, but the story says that when they asked and inquired and were told, upon their departure, the star appears again and they were overjoyed. I find that interesting. That the star at some point seems to either has have disappeared or stopped, giving them no direction, but upon further inquest, upon further questioning, the star begins to move. And we know stars don't move. But this one did. It went ahead of them. It led them. It says that they were overjoyed. This was God's confirmation that that which they sought was soon to be found. And this would be no ordinary king. This was the king of kings born to all mankind this was the first Christmas for this great king what do you think that moment was like for those wise men those magi such a long journey. But they came with purpose. They came with purpose. And they came with gifts. Kids, do you have your gift bags with you? There's a couple of things in there that will help us tell the story. The gold coin. The story tells us that they brought three gifts. Now, we're not sure how many wise men there were. A lot of people believe there were three wise men. The Bible doesn't say. It just says they brought three gifts. Who knows how many they brought. But the first gift was gold. I wonder why gold. They're trying to pay for Jesus' college fund. No. The gift of gold was reserved for royalty. 
Magi had told King Herod that they had come to see the one who was to be born king of the Jews. We're not sure what kind of gold they brought, jewelry or coins or bars or pieces or who knows. We're just told that they brought, brought it. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph in that moment, a confirmation of all that had been told to them thus far, being confirmed by these strangers who arrive from the east? Scripture tells us that Jesus would one day sit on the throne of his forefather, his ancestor, David. Scripture says this, He will be great and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The importance of this gift was that it represented the fact that Jesus was royalty. He would be a king. And the second one, does anybody know what the second gift was? Frankincense. Frankincense. Now that's an odd gift for a baby. It would be like giving a baby a candle from Bed, you know, bed Bath and Bath and whatever those stores are. Giving him some incense, some sort of smelly product. So we gave you a scratch and sniff sticker. Hey, I said it right. Scratch and sniff. Say that ten times fast. Mm, mine's cinnamon. <laughs> Why frankincense for a baby? Someone unusual, but it was highly valued. It was very expensive and somewhat rare. And the Jews had a common use for frankincense that was directly related to the worship of God. In the temple, when the Jews prayed before the altar of incense, this is what they used was frankincense. And they always kept it burning. When frankincense is burned, it gives off a sweet-smelling white smoke. The smoke rising from the altar of incense represented the prayers of the people rising up to God in heaven. The only use of frankincense for Jews was in worship, signifying Jesus' priestly role, that he would be our priest forever. So scripture says to Mary, this is the, what the angel says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Magi presenting this gift to Jesus represents the fact that he indeed was divine, our divine heavenly priest. And what about the last one, myrrh? Myrrh is even stranger. It seems the most odd. It was extremely valuable. It had a number of uses. It was used in expensive perfumes, so only the wealthy had it. But the major use for it was in burials. Myrrh was placed on the cloths that were wrapped around the body for burial to help prevent decay and to cover up the smell. The Magi presented this gift to Jesus as a representation that one day he would die. He was fully God, yet he was fully human, and he would die for the sins of all mankind to bring us, his most cherished creation, back to himself. You know, when people harvest myrrh, they wound the trees, it's called, repeatedly to bleed them of the gum. Did you catch that? These are not my words. This is actually from a great resource called Wikipedia. So if you think I made it up, this is a totally non-Christian website that says when they harvest myrrh, they wound the trees repeatedly to bleed them of the gum of myrrh. Does that amaze you? 
Myrrh resin, once dried, is then crushed. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 53. He was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, that punishment was on him. By his wounds we are healed, it says. His brokenness would bring light into the world like a glow stick. That's the third gift. The glow stick represents myrrh because when Jesus sacrificed himself, he would bring light into this world. This is what Simeon, the priest, that first recognized Jesus as the Son of God, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Myrrh was a gift that would recognize Jesus' sacrifice once and for all, for all, all mankind. But there's actually a fourth gift mentioned in the scriptures. Perhaps, like me, you've overlooked it. The scripture says that they brought a fourth gift that after they laid the treasures before Mary and Joseph, the gift they gave him next was the most meaningful and the most he would desire. It says they bowed and worshipped him. They bowed and worshipped him. These wise men from the east came not to court favor, but to proclaim their belief in this king of kings. The greatest gift that we can offer Jesus this Christmas isn't stained stained glass window worship, as I call it, but worship from the very heart and depths of our soul. Darcy and I had a chance to visit the place where Jesus was said to be born. It's called the Church of the Nativity. And there's a star in the floor, and it's very decorative church. But this place where you can visit the spot they say he was actually born, it's just a piece of rock. It has a low opening. The, the door is about this high. And you know what you have to do, kids, to get into that room? You have to get down on your knees. They built it that way so that all who would enter would bow in humility and worship to the king. What a great architect. That's the greatest gift we can give God. God can get everything else. He owns all the world, but we can give him our hearts, our lives. And perhaps you would do that this Christmas. Perhaps you find yourself in a place feeling far from God. And he wants to remind you this Christmas, he came to earth to draw near to you, if you would draw near to him. If you would simply say to him, I need you, Jesus. I recognize that I'm a sinful person. And I recognize that you came to this earth to die for me. That I might have relationship with God through you again. This morning, we're going to celebrate Christmas with communion. If our ushers would come to serve us. Because the purpose of Christmas is Easter. It's the looking forward to the purpose that Jesus has come. As the man plays a song, would you worship and receive the elements? And then I'll come back up and we'll receive communion together. We serve an open communion here at C2, meaning you don't have to be a member of our church. 
but you do need to be a professed believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Let us worship. The last scripture in that story, verse 12, says this about the wise men. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Seems insignificant. Maybe. But perhaps we, like the wise men, should not leave here the same way we came. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Something changed our world, and it should change us. And that something is the birth of the Savior. The birth is insignificant without his death and his resurrection, for that is what our faith is built upon. In fact, in Scripture, we're not commanded to celebrate Christmas. We're commanded to celebrate Easter, to celebrate his death and his resurrection. Let's do that together now, if you would take the bread. Scripture says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Because his brokenness would mean our wholeness, our healing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the brokenness of Jesus that provides our healing, both spiritually and physically. We'd have restored relationship with you. You would know what it was like to suffer as a man yet know no sin. So we receive and celebrate your brokenness. Let's receive the bread together. Scripture says that after the supper, likewise, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant. No laws, no rules written by men or written on stone, but now written on hearts. Jesus, you have our hearts today. We thank you that by your shed blood, we have forgiveness of sins that allows us to stand righteous before God the Father, that one day, When judgment comes, judgment will not be upon us. For you have taken judgment upon yourself, my judgment. The wrath that was meant for me was poured out on you. I thank you. I'm grateful. And I worship you today. You can have my heart. Let's drink of the cup together. We're going to close in just a few minutes with our annual candle lighting. But why don't you take a seat for just a second. Good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you. We're so glad that you joined us this morning. If you are new with us, 
and you came with family or friends, we're so glad that you joined us. There is a connection card that we would love for you to fill out. It's in the seat back in front of you. You could take a few moments right now, fill that out, and after service, if you want to go out these doors to the left, maybe your family or friends will bring you to our connection center. We have a gift for you that we would love to exchange for your card, and we just are so glad that you joined us again. That's right. And tomorrow morning, we've got a great uh, surprise for you. Uh, as you celebrate Christmas with your family and whatever your traditions are, the reading of the, the Christmas story, we have our final installment of uh, The Making of Christmas, or Christmas in the Making, whatever our title is. I should know this, right? Uh, and, and it's going to be on demand. What does that mean? It's going to be on Facebook at 930. We're going to post it live uh, for you to view with uh, by yourself, with your family, whoever's around, and it'll be on Facebook all day long. You can also access it at our website, c2church.com, a great place to connect with us and uh, view that video. It's something special that that myself and Darcy and the team uh, came up, and it's I think it's just uh, about 10 or 15 minutes long, so it won't take up a whole morning, but certainly a way to connect uh, with us and for us to connect with you on that special day. Yeah, it's going to be a great, great morning. I'm excited to see it, actually. Me too. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> so look forward to that to tomorrow, and then next week is right. New Year's Eve. Can you believe 2016 is almost over? Wave goodbye. Oh, man, but we're going to celebrate. That's right. What a great year this has been and looking forward to the year 2017. So join us next Saturday, New Year's Eve at 10 p.m. Kai Alpha is going to join our worship team and lead us in a great night of worship and just be a great time of worship and a message. And then after that, we will party. <laughs> <laughs> So it'll be a fun time of fellowship at the end and ring in the new year. We're going to ring in the new year together in worship and communion. And uh, and then I think the kids have their... And then 1201, we all go home. Students have their lock-in following that. So it'll be a crazy, crazy night for them as well. If 10 p.m. is just, you know, you're saying it's too late, I got kids. We have a New Year's Day service. You're certainly welcome to come to both, but they're pretty much going to be the same. And uh, But that's okay. You can come and worship twice. It's great way to ring in the new year new year's day will be there at both i'll be there both both uh, (laughs) you can join us new year's day though is at 10 a.m 10 a.m one service next week and there will be child care provided for nursery through preschool uh, for that service it'll be fun as well chi alpha will be there for us as well no we're gonna uh finish here with some worship we're gonna worship through our giving ushers are gonna come back and uh, if you're a, a regular attender of, of C2, now is the time to give your normal ties and uh, missionary offerings. If you're a guest, uh, we certainly don't uh, expect you to give. I do want to say a big thank you. Darcy and I are so proud of our church, and I think we raised over $3,000 for our box of love yes. for the families that... Uh, it was amazing. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you so all much those. for all that gave. And that, that doesn't include all the gifts that all personally went out and purchased and the families were so i mean i don't think there was a family who came that wasn't full of tears and just overjoyed at what uh, what their church family did for them so thank you for that if you still want to give to 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 that cause well the box of love for those family has completed and we've we've done everything we we've committed to do for them we've committed to taking care of those connected with our church and and what we just call benevolence Uh, and so if you want to give to that you can just mark your envelope or you, you give online. You can uh, mark the box of love, and, and that's fine. Just use the box of love title, and it, it will make sure that it goes to benevolence. And throughout the year, when we have families in need, that allows us to immediately respond to those needs as a church family and even those in the community who come to us as a resource. So if you want to give to that 
today as well. You can just mark your envelope or online as Box Love. Thank you to all those who've already given online. Let's pray as we give and worship this morning. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you gave. You gave your son. So when we give, we are most like you. We thank you this Christmas that you have given us everything we need for life and for godliness as we follow the example of Jesus. I pray for your blessing over each family, for each gift and each giver this morning. Would you take what little we give, multiply it to abundance for your use to bless this community and our world. For the glory of the name of Jesus, and it's in that name we pray. Amen. Watch this video. There's a voice that calls life from unexpected places. Barren lands will flourish with new creation. There's one who is searching for the pure in heart, waiting to find those who will trust. So what choice will you make? Because it may feel like choosing between life and death. Take her as your wife. But look closer. All he has ever offered us is life. Messiah. You see, God has come to the most unlikely people, urging them to follow, asking them to trust. The stories have been told for centuries. The wait is nearly over. Today, our Savior is born. To bring light into dark places. To be the voice in the wilderness. To call you to come home. To bring joy to the world. God has chosen you and he does not make mistakes. God's timing is not our timing. His love is not our love. He's turned his love into flesh and blood. And for that, we rejoice. Emmanuel. So don't wait. Don't pack. Don't plan. Just go. There is a world lost and hungry. There is a world lonely and wandering. And he has called us to go and tell them. Go and tell them what God is doing. Go and tell them that God is coming. Go and tell them. you this Christmas Eve. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your blessing, which is already upon those who call upon your name. And now would you cause your light to shine upon us? Would you go before us, causing us to follow your light? Would you be next to us, holding us and encouraging us, behind us as our rear guard, protecting us, below us, lifting us up with the with your mighty and righteous right hand. And be above us, our shield, our fortress, our strong tower. Thank you for your love and your grace demonstrated through Jesus this Christmas season. It's in that name we pray.
Amen. Well, from our families, our family to your families, Merry Christmas. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.